Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. It's Wednesday the 21st of August. I'm Tom Crosdell. Coming up... It's with a very, very heavy heart that um, I'll let you know that uh, we found a body this morning uh, in the river within the search area that we were looking. The body of six-year-old Lucas Dobson's been found five days after he fell into a river. Also today, the parents of a man who died from meningitis are urging young people to get vaccinated. It was fast and frightening and he was terrified all the way through. He kept saying he thought he was dying and it's not anything that I would wish on anybody else. And the Gillingham boss is disappointed with the results against Blackpool. We had them on the ropes, didn't we? We gave a sloppy goal away and we have to defend that a little bit better. We've dominated position. We just have to pick ourselves up and, and go to Coventry on Saturday. Kent Online News. Police searching for a missing six-year-old boy who fell into the River Stour have found his body. Lucas Dobson was on a family fishing trip in Sandwich on Saturday when he was swept away while stepping from the jetty onto a boat. Specialist search teams and hundreds of volunteers have been looking for him since. Yesterday, officers started focusing their search on the water itself and told members of the public to stay away for their own safety. Today, police confirmed his body has been found. Here's Chief Inspector Mark Weller. The family have been informed. That's the very first thing we did. We kept them informed throughout and we're working with them now with their family liaison officer to help them through this incredibly traumatic and difficult time. Thing. We've had great support from the community in terms of searching, but equally in terms of support to officers, you know, drinks and so on and so forth. Salvation Army, Red Cross have been absolutely amazing, fire service, but most, most of all the search and rescue teams, uh, the divers have done an absolutely amazing job and uh, incredibly grateful. Hi, Personal thanks from me to, uh, to all of those uh, and to the public, of course, who, who, who all tipped out en masse to really, really help and really did maximise our chances of finding Lucas at that early stage, but unfortunately um, it wasn't to be. We do have uh, a number of uh, processes within the police service and I know that the fire service and everybody else has the same. You know, We really do look after our officers. They're our number one asset uh, and things like this are traumatic and, and they will need help to see them uh, through this. Uh, so that will all be taking place in the next few hours, days uh, and weeks to come. So we act on behalf of Her Majesty's Coroner um, just to establish the facts of um, how uh, deaths occur. Uh, and it will be no different in these circumstances, but I can uh, let you know at this point that we're not treating this as suspicious at this time. Manny Cooks from Kent Fire and Rescue, she's told us about their involvements in the search. Well, here in Kent we have a number of specially trained uh, personnel that can provide response on the water. Also we have our technical rescue teams that can provide um, assistance with drones and also equipment and specialist training um, in, in assisting the police and the dive teams and everybody here that have been locating and looking for Lucas. When these kind of incidents occur, it's always a difficult um, situation to know how long you continue that search for, but with the way that the water moves and somebody falling into water, there are there are a number of days that you could have to provide that sort of search assistance for. So it, it was a fairly long time, but I'd expect to be here a little bit longer if we hadn't have had that discovery this morning. The community aspect has been phenomenal. I cannot um, tell you how much they have wanted to get involved, supported our teams and all of the partners here. It's been quite incredible, quite touching to see that the community have wanted to take such an interest in locating this little boy. Quite obviously, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family and friends in this community that have potentially lost a little boy. Um, it does have an impact, you know, and for the crews and the staff within Kent, we do have um, facilities in place to support them that after incidents like this. So yes, there is a lot of emotion out there this morning, but that's to be expected after such a long, um, intense activity. 
Stuart Baird is from Kent Search and Rescue. Well, certainly for the first three days, um, this was very much a rescue operation and uh, it was one of the largest search operations Kent's seen with police, fire, Coast Guard, RNLI, search and rescue teams all working um, together to, to, to try and find Lucas. But as, as time went on, it, it became apparent that, that the chances were, of his surviving were, were minimal. And unfortunately, that, um, that was confirmed today. And what have been some of the methods employed in trying to, to search for, for Lucas? There's been rescue crews on the river and on the banks of the river uh, since Saturday afternoon when, when Lucas fell in. As the, as the weeks progressed, we've deployed sonars uh, in the river to see if we could search the, the, the riverbed. Um, it's been a huge operation and it's been incredibly um, tolling on, on obviously the family, um, but all the rescue workers as well. We, we've seen tears and, and, and heartache almost from day one. And from what you understand, obviously it's been an operation that's been in front of the family and they've obviously been in the forefront of leading the charge in terms of volunteers. And we, how have they coped during this awful, awful time? The family have been absolutely am amazing. Um, so brave in such a tragic set of circumstances. They've come out of their way to see all of the rescue volunteers and, and emergency services and say thank you, um, which was a, a, a wonderful thing to do in, in, in such awful circumstances. But this must be a dreadful time for them as it is for everybody who's worked on this incident. How difficult, you say, it's one of the biggest search operations. How difficult is that? The challenge with searching a river and, and that part of the Stour, um, its high and low tides are, are very erratic. Uh, the river moves at a, at a really fast pace. Um, you, you know, you would have to jog to stay alongside um, the, 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 the flow of the river. Um, and of course, that means that we have to search the same areas over and over again at higher tide and low tide and in between. And it just makes it a, a very tiring and time consuming exercise. But all of the emergency workers on this had, uh, but particularly the volunteers, had, had given up their day jobs to, to come and do this and to make sure that the search operation continued as long and as hard as it could. And obviously it's been a massive effort both on the part of the authorities and volunteers, hasn't it, really? It has. The, the residents of Sandwich particularly, but all the surrounding areas and the general public, the, the, the response has been overwhelming and, and it just touched everybody's hearts. There isn't anybody in Kent who doesn't know Lucas Dobson. Um, and the way that everybody responded in terms of going out searching, donating, but, but also actually being practical of making sandwiches, bringing hot tea along at midnight, um, it really was the community in Kent at its best. Have you seen a response like this before? Not to this scale and not for such a prolonged period. Kent Online News. Elsewhere today, four men have been jailed for a total of more than 43 years after a gang tried to break into a home in Seven Oaks. The group used a fake police car and imitation sawn-off shotgun to try and force their way into a house in Wilderness Avenue in May 2017, but ran away when a panic alarm went off. You can see CCTV footage of the attempted raid at kentonline.co.uk. Ken's getting an extra £2.6 million to help prepare for Brexit. Most of the government cash will go to the county council, with the rest getting shared out between the other local authorities. It comes after a leaked report over the weekend warned of huge disruption at the channel ports if the UK leaves the EU without a deal on October the 31st. The parents of a Kent man who died from meningitis are urging young people to get vaccinated. Cases of the disease caused by a highly dangerous strain known as MenW have been rising over the past decade. Fiona and Gavin Mason have been telling us about their 21-year-old son. Tim was an apprentice electrical engineer. He's 21 years old. 
lived at home because obviously at 21 years old you, and as an apprentice you have no money to live elsewhere. Um, he was a kind, bright, fun-loving young man who was same as everybody else. He, he had an opinion about everything, very fit, very active 21-year-old. He contracted a, a sort of winter flu virus, recovered from it. Um, and a couple of days later, he started feeling quite ill again. Um, and he went to see his GP, who said that there was definitely an infection of some sort. But since he was a very strong young man, very fit and healthy, she saw no reason for antibiotics and, and um, he would be able to fight it off. Well, late, he came home and rested. Um, and later that night at, in fact, 12.30 on Friday the 16th, in the early hours of the morning, Tim started vomiting and was extremely ill. He was so ill that I dialed 111 to ask for advice, not a course that I would normally take. Um, having brought up three sons, I come across most things. Anyway, we were sent along to see our local cottage hospital um, at three o'clock in the morning on the Friday morning, and uh, they sent us directly to A&E where Tim was admitted. Um, Tim's symptoms did not include the meningitis symptoms, the usual ones that one is told to look out for, like dislike of bright lights and a stiff neck. The main symptom that was evident was vomiting, um, high temperature and rapid heart rate. Tim was discharged four hours later and we were told he had a virus and given a list of symptoms to look for and told to come back if he got sicker. So I brought him home. He got iller and iller at home and at two o'clock that afternoon I took him back to the hospital. Tim was unable to walk and had been unable to walk on our first visit. At this point, two o'clock in the afternoon, he couldn't even sit up straight. Um, he was desperately ill. And he was admitted into the resus unit at the hospital where they suddenly realised how very sick he was. Tim died at 21.46 that night, which was 21 hours and 15 minutes after the first onset of the symptoms. It was fast and frightening and he was terrified all the way through. He kept saying he thought he was dying from the first admission through to the second. And it's not anything that I would wish on anybody else, which, which is why we're here today, because we found out that the disease that Tim had contracted was meningitis W, which is fast, enters the bloodstream very, very quickly, and as I said, took him away from us in 21 hours and 15 minutes. Tim should have been protected by the vaccine. He was in a priority group to be offered the vaccine, but he was never offered it and we knew nothing about it. We then decided to try and investigate what had happened and why it was that three relatively engaged people knew nothing about this vaccine. And so we started to investigate what had gone wrong. In our investigations, we um, 
discovered that this vaccine had been rolled out in 2015 um, quickly and urgently because of a rapid rise in this virulent uh, meningitis W. And um, it was supposed to be, uh, GPs were contracted to invite people in by letter uh, in a specific age group, uh, the age group that Tim was in. Um, but for various reasons that didn't happen and we, we discovered it hadn't happened right across the country. Um, literature uh, that GPs receive uh, as to eligibility criteria was lengthy, contradictory, ambiguous. Um, and uh, for, for these clerical reasons, they just weren't being invited in the quantities they should. Worse still, they were relying on a backup software uh, which was supposed to uh, pop up an alert on their screens uh, when an eligible patient came in for any reason at all. And we discovered that two years after the rollout of this software, it hadn't been turned on. And rather like a, a fire alarm that you assume works until you have a fire and nothing happens, well, this was the fire and nothing happened. Um, the eligibility criteria is massively complex and the long and short of it is that a million people who should have been vaccinated urgently as part of what was described as the GP-based urgent catch-up campaign have gone unvaccinated, our son one of them, and paid the ultimate price. So we are desperate that this doesn't happen needlessly to others and, and that's why we're here supporting meningitis now with this important campaign. Because the system has failed, because GPs, in part at least, don't know whether they're coming or going frankly on this, and because the software still isn't working as well as it should, there is no choice but to take control yourself. So if your eligible youngster is under 18, you can go along and find out whether they have been vaccinated, because <laughs> chances are they probably won't remember, if they're over 18, uh, you will have to ask them and stand over with them with a whip if necessary to make sure they, they, they find out and get the vaccine. It's available to, from 18 to 25. Virtually everybody should be able to get it. Um, and it will save your life. You know, thankfully, this is a rare disease. But if you get it, like Tim, 21 hours and you're gone. So it's desperately important, just for a jab in the arm, please get it. People most at risk of getting meningitis include older teenagers and students heading off to college or university. Kent Online News. Three people have been treated in hospital after a car crash near West Morling. Emergency crews were called to three cars in Laybourne Way in Larkfield last night. More than 10 caravans and cars have turned up on lands near a golf course near Highs. Officials say if the group doesn't leave marine parades, they'll take legal action to move them on. At kentonline.co.uk, you can see the first images of what a huge new car park in Ashford might look like. Plans have been put in for the five-storey building, which would replace the Station Road car park behind the Hollywood Bowl. If it's approved, it'll have 500 spaces, including 120 charging ports, and will be lit up at nights. The council wants it open by December next year. Kent Online Sport. Football and Darren Oldacres announced he's left Gillingham. The midfielder has made 21 league appearances for the club and only signed a new deal seven months ago. It's thought other players could also leave before the transfer window closes. Meantime, Gillingham have had to settle for a draw against Blackpool after giving away a 2 
absolute goal advantage at Priestfield last night. Alex Jakubiak, who's on loan from Watford, found the back of the net twice for the Jills, but they were unable to hold on to their lead. The game finished 2 all, with each side taking home a point. Boss Steve Evans spoke to us after the match. We've probably made five or six good chances. We've, our performance has been stunning. And I've just seen Simon Grayson seeing him giving out some balaclavas to these players. They got on the coach in disguise because they're like thieves that make the point, aren't they? But, um, but listen, they're a good side. They've got a good manager. Um, we've been depleted, as we said before the game. We won't say anything different afterwards. Some players have played not 100%. And they've given everything. And on and off the pitch, I thought we were very good. We had them on the ropes, didn't we? We gave a sloppy goal away and... We're disappointed with the second one, you know, defending's poor. They take good advantage of it. It's a good period of play from passage, you play from them, but we have to defend that a little bit better. But other, other than that, as I said, we've we've dominated position. They're always a threat going forward time, as teams always are, credit to them. And uh, we've, we've we've played a good side, and I think, listen, I've, I think we'll go toe-to-toe with them, that's for sure. But um, we, we just have to pick ourselves up and, and go to Coventry on Saturday or Birmingham. We'll get better, we'll improve. Um, they're still getting to know each other. Um, we we do okay. We're not going to promise nothing. We do okay. People look and say three games, two points. We know the excuse for Button. We were poor. Forget Button. We were poor. And you have to look in before you look out. We had a good game at, for 45. Donny deservedly got a share. We didn't deserve a share tonight. We deserve to win tonight. Nothing against Button. Deserve to win. We should set be two more. So we're minus two as we head to Coventry. I've been amongst the, the Gillingham public and the Medway public since, since June. And um, they're very honest. I met a few of them a couple of days after the bottom game and they were very honest. I was hiding in there, I was in Asda. I could have been any supermarket, but I was in Asda that day. And, uh, but I, I think tonight, that I'm walking along the, at the end there and I can see the reception. I come out of the dressing room in the tunnel and I hear the reception they've given to the players. I've always said the public here are Glasgow people. They, they vote with what they say. They know we should win five or six tonight. They knew the boys gave them everything. They'll be back. The ones that were here tonight will be back. The ones that weren't here missed, missed a good performance. Gillingham are yet to win a League One game this season. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.